It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Well, 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 well. First time in a very long time. The New York Mets won a series. How about that? They back up the incredible, amazing comeback from Wednesday night by winning a good, solid, hard-fought Thursday afternoon game against Tampa Bay, winning the game 3-2. to two. They faced a little adversity in this game. Tyler McGill gave up a first-inning run because, of course, because that's what he does. That's what the Mets do. They were able to respond in the bottom of the first inning and tie the game up. Pete Alonzo built off of the game-winning home run from Wednesday by hitting another home run on Thursday. And then Tyler McGill was one out away from getting through six innings and handing the bullpen a lead. Unfortunately, he gave up the home run to Josh Lowe with two outs in the sixth inning, which tied the game at two. But then the Mets immediately respond Brett Beatty with a huge single that set up the Tommy family Linfield hit. Mets take a 3-2 to two lead. And the bullpen, which had really failed them in the Wednesday game, and this was, this was not their top relievers getting a chance here against Tampa Bay, but Brooks Raleigh, Brooks Raleigh, Jeff Brigham getting some big outs, and then David Robertson getting the job done. Mets beat the Tampa Bay Rays on a Thursday afternoon. And they did what? We all kind of said in one voice they needed to do, and that is back up the drama of Wednesday, the incredible comeback from Wednesday with a victory on Thursday. I think we all kind of thought the same thing. As great as that win was on Wednesday, what does it mean if you lose the series the following day? What does it mean? I mean, does it kind of take the victory that we all thought could turn the season around and flush it down the toilet? Yeah, probably. It probably does. So to win this game with Tyler McGill on the mound, even though they were facing a young pitcher in Taj Bradley, it's still an incredible victory. You win a series against the Tampa Bay Rays. You see the bullpen bounce back in a huge way after failing the previous night. You see another, and this is really the key to the whole thing, another really solid starting pitching performance. They get back-to-back now from Senga on Wednesday to McGill on Thursday. They both go six innings. Senga gives up one run. McGill gives up two runs. And like I mentioned, McGill's an out away from actually getting through it, repeating the Senga line of six innings, one run. He ends up getting the win anyway because the Mets scored that run in the bottom of the sixth inning. And even though the offense wasn't great, it wasn't. 
it was just enough because they pitched their ass off and they do it against the Tampa Bay team that is so good offensively that sometimes you just wonder, maybe they know what's coming. <laughs> it's just, it doesn't make much sense. And the Met pitching shut them down. That was a great win. That was the exclamation point. And I think as we sit here now, whether you're listening Friday morning or Friday afternoon or very late Thursday night, I think for the first time in a while, we could take a deep breath because the Mets have won back-to-back games for the first time in almost a month. And it does feel, I don't want to get too ahead of myself here, but it does feel like things have changed. It feels like maybe the trajectory of this season, which was going in the wrong direction, changed. Now, I got that positive out of the way. I got the good feelings out of the way. Let's get to the other negative from Thursday into Friday that is obviously causing all of us angst. And that is the lineup of one Buck Showalter. I can't say I was surprised to see something in the lineup on Thursday that would make us kind of upset. And I want to start with at least defending Alvarez not playing. I understand that he's a young guy and there's this attitude of just catch him every single day. When you put the tools of ignorance on and you get beat up behind the plate for three hours plus an extra inning game on Wednesday, I actually totally understand wanting to sit him down on a day game after night game. I'm really not going to complain about that. Uh, It's not about, oh, he's young. He can play every day. Catchers don't play every day. You may see some catchers DH like Tyler Stevenson does in Cincinnati. And if that's your argument, fine. If the argument is, hey, D.H. Alvarez, completely different discussion. But when I saw that Michael Perez was in the lineup, I wasn't angry. Oh, my God, how does Alvarez not play? I get it. He's a catcher. You got to keep these guys fresh and healthy. So that was not my issue. My issue was Mark Vientos. And before anybody tells you, well, it's a righty on the man. You got to be careful. Let's go over a couple of things. Mark Vientos in the minor leagues was torturing right-handed pitching. He was not just picking on the lefties. I know that in spring training, we kind of envisioned, hey, if he makes the team, what's his role going to be? And it was probably going to be as that DH against left-handed pitching. Well, guess what? Things have changed. That's not how he should be viewed. He beat up everybody at AAA Syracuse. The home run he hit on Wednesday was not just against a righty, but was against a side-arming righty which are very tough pitchers to face in Ryan Thompson. And then if you take a deep dive on Taj Bradley, believe it or not, right-handed hitters actually give him more trouble than left-handed hitters. So there was no reason to not play Mark Vientos, especially after he hit a home run in his first start at the major league level. Even if you don't love the matchup, isn't it, Buck, just the right thing to do to tell a kid who probably was frustrated he was sent down to begin with and was probably frustrated that he wasn't called up for well over a month. Isn't it the right thing to do to say, hey, kid, you hit a big home run that really sparked our team. We don't win that game on Wednesday without you. I'm going to give you a start. I'm going to find a way to get you into the lineup. Now, Buck's answers before the game were lame as hell. And unfortunately, all I was able to do was see the quotes from it and not the actual video to see if anybody in the media pushes back at the comedian known as Buck Showalter. Because when Buck says with his, hey, I'm so funny sense of humor, well, you know, there's only one third base. 
Nobody was suggesting Mark Viento should play third base. Nobody. Like, I get it. He played third base the other night because you decided to sit Brett Beatty against the lefty, which, by the way, none of us agree with despite Beatty's slump. (laughs) It's, It's not like we were all like, oh, great, that's smart. So we're not viewing Mark Vientos, nor should you view Mark Vientos as a third base platoon with Brett Beatty. That's not why he should be here. He should be here to get at-bats at DH. Does Buck realize, and I think he does, that the Met production at a designated hitter has been putrid? We thought it couldn't be worse than it was a year ago. We were wrong. They're getting nothing out of DH. So nobody was suggesting that Mark Vientos needed to play Thursday afternoon at third base. So Buck throws out the whole, wow, we only got one third baseman. DH the guy. Daniel Vogelback has done nothing. Like, we cannot continue to run him out there. He's not producing enough. This is a production business. You got to put the pelts on the wall. Vogelback's hitting 239, even his vaunted OPS, which is usually much higher than maybe the way we feel about him, has dipped all the way down to 726. He's not productive. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So Vientos needs to DH. He needs to DH against righties. He needs to DH against lefties. He needs to play. Now, if you want to have Vogel back in the lineup for some reason, then Tommy Pham shouldn't be in the lineup. Now, Tommy did have two hits in this game. He did drive in a run. So I know that may not be the best argument after the fact, but I want to be honest that during and before the game, I was all for Tommy Pham not playing. We saw Brett Beatty briefly in the outfield. We discussed this on the drive home pod. I didn't think we'd see a lot of Beatty in the outfield. Well, I guess I'm right because Buck didn't want to stick him out there. And I think Buck's excuse was, well, there's sun out there. And if there's sun out there, it can be very, very tricky. Well, guess what's going to happen on Friday? There's lights out there. And those lights can be very, very tricky. And then on Saturday, we'll hear, well, it's raining out. Trying to catch a fly ball in the raindrops? Very, very tricky. (laughs) It's like they're looking for excuses to not play these guys. And we're not begging for guys to play just because they're young and different. Like, that's not what's going on here. We're begging for these young guys to play because they've earned it. Because Mark Vientos tore up AAA pitching. Because before this, Brett Beatty tore up AAA pitching. Right now, Ronnie Mauricio is tearing up AAA pitching. And we're watching guys who are here and have been here all year fail time in and time out, time in and time out. So it's frustrating. I mean, it it turned out to not be the end all for us because the Mets won the game on Thursday. But not only was it frustrating going into the game, I think for a lot of us, it's frustrating coming out of this game because we don't know what to expect anymore from this manager. We don't know. And I can sit here and tell you what I think he's going to do. And we could play that game like we used to play with Alvarez 
Who's going to catch? How many times is he going to catch? And by the way, there's a new wrinkle to that we'll get to with the news of Gary Sanchez coming up. We'll get to that in a few minutes. So that's the fear. The fear is the Mets are about to play a three-game series against the Cleveland Guardians. There will be three right-handed starting pitchers on the mound in those games, including Shane Bieber on Sunday night. Does that mean that Daniel Vogelbach is going to DH every single game? Does that mean Mark Vientos isn't going to play? Because Buck almost made allusion to it's a Beatty Vientos platoon, which makes no sense. So I think we're fearful on how these kids are going to be used. And that is just so frustrating considering that sparked them on Wednesday. And we mentioned this in the drive home. And I heard Sal say this on WFAN too. So we're in lockstep on this. Vientos hits that home run. We're frustrated. We're excited to hit the home run, but we're frustrated that it took so long for him to get here. And meanwhile, the manager may not play him. The manager, even with the guy producing a triple A, even with the guy hitting a monster home run in terms of importance, he may not play him. So that definitely concerns me and it concerns all of us going into this weekend against Cleveland and moving forward. So I'm happy. I'm optimistic, but how and who Buck plays, that's a big concern. Ev, you know, it's weird because it's like we just came off the biggest win of the season. The weight's off of the fans' shoulders. They they go back-to-back wins, but yet somehow the Mets and Buck Showalter have decided to Let's just deflate that real quick. Let's give the fans a little something to really think about and really piss us off. And that's really what the problem is. Like, I can't – like you said, the lineup is it, what for one day I'll live with it, but there's that question mark every day. I don't want to go through that. Like, we've been calling for these kids for the longest time. We're not calling up Jet Williams. We're not asking for Jet Williams. We're asking for the guys who are producing who deserve to be here. It's really frustrating, and you've said it too – I don't know if it is. Everyone's pointing the blame on, on Buck. I feel like this is Billy Epler too. The fact that they're in cahoots together, that it's like, we'll do whatever it takes not to play these kids. Yeah, I blame Billy for the time it's taken to call guys up. I think it's all on Buck on who plays. I, I'm not a believer that general managers in general are kind of overlording on who's in the starting lineup. I think that managers today get a lot more information and material maybe than they've gotten in the last 10 years. But I think with that information, the manager makes a decision. And I think Buck Showalter, and I used this comparison on the air the other day, it's very similar to Tom Thibodeau in that they are veteran managers who trust veteran players. And I don't think there's anything maniacal here. I don't think there's any conspiracy here. I think simply, as much as I disagree with it, and this is not me defending it, it's me explaining it. I think Buck Showalter's insistence on Tommy Pham and Daniel Vogelback. And I don't want to even say Eduardo Escobar because Eduardo Escobar disappeared. He's only played recently because he's performed. So I'll just stick it with the Pham and Vogelbacks of the world is almost this relying on veteran players and trusting veteran players and thinking that those veteran players give him a better chance to win. Because when Alvarez was first called up and he was pushed a little bit on why Alvarez wasn't playing every day, He basically laid out the case that Tomas Nito gave the Mets a better chance to win. 
Now, I could disagree with that, and you could disagree with that, and certainly performance has shown that Buck was wrong about that. But honestly, I think that's how Buck thinks. So it's not about there's some conspiracy here or Billy Epler hates the young players. I think it's similar to what Thibs has done at times in coaching the Knicks, which is there's a reliance on veteran guys. In his mind, when this lineup was put out on Thursday, and again, we'll see what he does over the weekend against Cleveland, he trusts Tommy Pham more than he trusts Mark Vientos. And that may sound crazy to me and you, but I think that's the answer. I don't think there's any weird conspiracy going on. But here's the thing, and I, I really wish Buck and and Billy were listening to this podcast to, to just kind of hear this idea out. They don't trust the young kid. Fine, I respect that. But what happened when Francisco Alvarez got called up early on last year, those six games, and this year early on? We don't want to play him every day because – you know, we don't want the, him to be like pressured into a big spot, blah, blah, blah. He got into some really big spots every game. And he'd strike out. He'd look, quote, unquote, lost. And then what happened? He got into, by far, the biggest spot you could be in. Two runners on. It's the top, bottom of the ninth. You're the final out. He became a hero. Right. He went through that situation before. So you say you don't trust. How about you let them play through it? So, I mean, listen, that's no, not I, for you and me. It's for them. I agree. I agree. And by the way, I, I want to give a guy credit. I didn't see this, but I got to give him a lot of credit because he emailed us to RicoB at gmail.com, Hector, with the Thibodeau comparison of Buck. So we're thinking alike. So good job by Hector. Guys, is Buck the Thibodeau of baseball? <laughs> Meaning his proclivity. They'll want to trust his veteran players over the youngsters. When Thibodeau let that go, the Knicks improved. Buck needs to get there faster. And it's spot on because not to, to mix in too much basketball here, but the Knicks season turned around when Tom Thibodeau finally made that change, inserting Quentin Grimes into the starting lineup and showing a little bit more trust in his younger players. And what's weird is that Thibodeau and Buck have a lot of comparisons, a lot of them. They're both very successful, but both have won nothing. You know, let's be honest about it. Tom Thibodeau won a lot of regular season games for the Chicago Bulls. Tom Thibodeau had a successful season with the Minnesota Timberwolves, one. Tom Thibodeau's now had a few successful seasons with the Knicks, but ultimately hasn't led to a championship. It hasn't led to an NBA Finals. So it's not a perfect comparison, but yeah, there is a kind of feel of that. 